Well, we are excited today to have a little bit of a question and answer time with questions that some of you have submitted. Um, and so we're going to pull up some some stools. Thank you, Dave. Guy, I'll try to, we might just, maybe we should just hand off the mic. What do you think? She said, whatever you want me to do. (laughs) We're going to talk about marriage here, how to get that to happen. (laughs) It's over. That was it. That was all. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, we've gotten several questions from you about uh, the Holy Spirit. And then we've also just thrown in some that uh, Ashley had at, kind of at her conference when she was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And just there were some questions that came up there that are, I think are common questions. And so um, we're going we're gonna to just kind of jump right in. Um, I've got some of the questions here, but they're going to be on the screen. And so those are the ones that are actually going to help us stay stay on track is what, what shows up on the screen. So is everybody good with that? Are, are you good? Do I have to stand up and preach or can I sit for a minute? I'm probably going to stand up, but I'm going to start sitting right now. So the first question is, is a believer powerless without the Holy Spirit? Great question. The short answer is yes. The long answer is this. It's actually impossible for a believer to be powerless because when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit resides in you. So it's not as much about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says that power will come on you when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if you become a believer in Jesus and you yield your life to him, uh, he comes and dwells in you. So every believer uh, has power, whether they're accessing that or not. So, yes, it is impossible to have power without the Holy Spirit, but it's also impossible for any believer to be powerless because the Holy Spirit's in you. So think of it like this. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he gave them what? He gave them power and authority. Um, and both those things have to do with power and strength. But when you become a believer in Jesus, you are, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new is come, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, and you now have authority. And so there, there is a power inherent in you um, just when you become a believer in Jesus, you're a son or a daughter of the king. The Holy Spirit is now in you. So you now have the nature of God to overcome sin. You know, one of, the, one of the powers the Holy Spirit gives you is to get free from sin. In other words, you're not supposed to just be a sinner who's just barely making it into heaven. No, God came to set you free from sin. And that's why he sent the nature of himself, his own spirit within you to free you. And so even someone who is not baptized in the Holy Spirit or pray in tongues or operate in any gift that they know of of the Holy Spirit, they can pray for people and see them healed purely on the fact that they are walking in the authority that God has given them. 
Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of course, unlocks a lot of gifts, a lot of ways and powerful ways that God ministers. So um, it's almost like, to me, I look at it like you've got the power and the authority. The authority is in your position in Christ. Just as we were singing there, we were singing about, I have the authority. Again, it's not about me. It doesn't mean I'm not the champion, right? You know, when we sing that song, it's not I'm the champion. <laughs> you know, it's not we are the champion. No, it's not that. It's you're the champion, and then you give me your authority. Isn't that amazing? You crown me with confidence. Oh, this is incredible. Um, and then you begin to work through me. And so just as a child of God, I am seated. Ephesians 2 and 6 says, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And why was Jesus seated? He was seated, and it says all authority was put underneath him. So Ephesians 1, he was put, and all authority is underneath his feet. You're sitting next to Jesus, so therefore you have to have authority in the heavenly realms. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and unlocks the power to release gifts and specific things and, you know, gifts of healing and miracles and uh, tongues and interpretation and all kinds of prophecy. There's all kinds of things that God releases uh, that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for. But you have power. No matter what, you have power. You are never powerless if you're a believer in Jesus. You are never in a place where I can't do anything. No, you have, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So what's the next one? Should everyone have a prayer language What's wrong if we don't? I've got that one right here. So, great question. Uh, thank you for, this is written down uh, right here. I have this card. And so, I don't know if you're here or not, but I would say this. First of all, I would change the language of this question. I would say, it's not a should, it's a can. Should everyone have a prayer language? Well, it's not, it's not a should, it's not a have to. You don't have to have this to get into heaven. You, this is not a requirement to be like, there's not like a, a merit badge system. You know, you don't get extra merit badges like when, oh, I pray in the spirit. It's like, no, you, you can. I believe it is for everyone. You have to reference 1 Corinthians 14. You'll, you'll notice I will reference the Bible a lot, okay, because that's important to, to, to us um, and to me especially but in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is addressing the issue of tongues and prophecy. And it may look like he's being negative towards tongues, but he was just addressing a problem in a church where it wasn't, they, they just had it going crazy. In other words, there was never any known language being spoken. Everybody was just going around speaking in tongues all the time, all the time, all the time. It's not talking about being in a spirit-filled service where we're all worshiping God and we can all pray in tongues all at once. That, that wasn't what was going on. Uh, what was going on was like it was a show. It was a, it was a display of spirituality. And so Paul says this. He says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. But I'd rather you, if that's all you're going to do, I'd rather you prophesy. In other words, the, the goal is communication. If you're going to do it around somebody else, then share what's on God's heart. I'd rather have you prophesy. It's, you know, and so he's saying, look, I want you all. And Paul says this. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was addressing a church that went crazy with tongues, but he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Uh, so the question should, the answer is everyone can. Not everyone should. I mean, I'm not saying there's no, it's not a should question. It's a can. It's an ability. It's, it's a gift. It's an offer. It's a blessing. Um, 
what's wrong if we don't? Um, you answer that one? <laughs> I'm going to take the easy ones, and then she's going to take the hard ones. No. Do you want to answer? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with you. The answer is nothing. Nothing is wrong with you as a believer if you don't speak in tongues. God doesn't have us sorted by like, here's my favorites that speak in tongues. Here's the ones who just can't get it. I don't know what's wrong with them. So, you know, this question is like, man, we'd love to, for you to catch the heart of God on this is everyone can and there's nothing wrong with you if you don't. That's pretty good. There are some there are some hindrances. Just there are some things that that help hinder that. Most of it's our head. That's probably the number one thing. Is we try to figure it out. What does Paul say in First Corinthians fourteen? He says, "I will pray with my mind, and I will pray with my spirit." He, now we know he's talking about. Praying in the Spirit. All over the Bible, it talks about praying in the Spirit. Most of the time, it's referring to a spiritual language. Uh, he said, I, w- I will pray with my mind, and I will pray with my spirit. I will sing with my mind, and I will sing with my spirit. Um, and so, there is, it's not in your mind. If, you, if you're struggling, you're not going to think of the language. And I know we've gone over this before, but I think it's useful to say it again. You don't hear tongues in your head normally. Now, I don't want to limit God and say you can't hear tongues in your head because I think for some people, maybe God gives you some words in your head and you you take a step of faith and you say them. Maybe that works. So I don't want to limit God. But I would say in general, um, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're not thinking of the words before you say them. And that's kind of crazy. Um, It's it's really supernatural. you want to follow up? I was just going to give a little my testimony. So, you know, when I was first prayed for, and I know my wife referenced this in the message that she gave. See, I, I keep getting them. <laughs> and so, um, it was, I was in seventh grade, and I was at a church camp. And I had I'd grown up in a four-square church, but I guess we were pretty shy about the gifts of the spirit or, or speaking in tongues and pray, prayer language and all that. Cause it was like, or I just hadn't been paying attention because we got to that camp and it was like, Whoa, this is interesting. <laughs> this is, this is wild. This is, this is, Whoa, what is that guy doing? And the guy up front, man, he just, I can still almost hear his prayer language, you know, you know, it had the rah, bah, bah sound in it. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> He was like, and he was like a very bold, loud person, you know. And so I went to get prayed for, you know, because like who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And after they preached and talked about all this amazing stuff, I'm like, yeah, of course I. So I'm up there going to get prayed for. And forgive me for those of you who heard this story like 37 times. But um, so I get up there and then there's this young girl that prays for me instead, instead of the dude up front. I mean, I'm like, you're like. She looked like she was 13. I'm 11. Like, how can a 13-year-old do anything, right? I mean, here, it's just wrong. This is what my mind is thinking. So I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to work. 
And so guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, you know, you have to have faith. You have to believe that God's going to do it. But, um, and trust. And, you know, and just, you know, so that's why we're doing this is just get rid of some misconceptions and things that might be in our heads. Uh, so I made up a prayer language. So I'm like, hey, it needs to sound kind of Hebrewish or whatever. So I started, you know, having these words form in my mind and kind of so I'm like telling them. And I'm like, and, you know, it was always kind of that thing where it's like, is that it? Is, you know, is that it? And I was like that for years. For years. I mean, I can still I can still say the words right now because I had them in my head for so long. And it was always a struggle. It was always you know, you go to camp, you go to this or that. There's always a, there's always somebody, if you're in a spiritual church, they're going to talk about it sometime. So they're bringing up, who hasn't? And, you know, I'm like, do I have it or do I not? Is, is this a prayer language or is this not a prayer language? Did I make this up or not? You know, so like this whole struggle, is it's all in, in your mind a lot of times because we're so used to thinking, especially us who are thinkers, we, we tend to overthink it. And so God had to really just, I don't know what, I don't know when I started praying in my prayer language, but I did. It's, I don't even have a time. There's no time. There's no, there's no moment where, like, oh, I went forward at this perfect moment of worship. And No, it's just like kind of I realized at some point I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing something different now. I'm not doing the, the four or five words that I knew when I was 11 years old uh, at camp that I made up in my mind and started to say over and over again. And so it now flows from a place where I, I don't know what I'm going to say always because it's not coming from my mind. But I do have to speak it. I do have to choose to speak. And so for some of us, it's just mental. I think for most people, it's mental. We're trying to overthink it. We're trying to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out. And so God had to you know, turn my make me not even realize what was happening. But I kept seeking God. The most important thing is to seek the Lord. Don't seek his gifts. I mean, you can tell him, hey, God, I really want this gift and I'm not seeing it. But just seek God. The closer you get to the Lord, he'll release gifts in you. He'll release things in you. Uh, he'll deal with stuff. If you've got stuff in your life, maybe there's some kind of hindrance. I've seen also people that have had big forgiveness issues in their lives when we've done Sozo where they forgive someone and boom, instantly pray in the spirit. Does that mean I have a forgiveness issue? No, maybe not. There's, and we're just saying sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes there's, there's fear. You've seen it done badly. And so you're like, I don't know if I want that. You know, like I've seen those weird people. And you're like, if that's what that is, then no. So you were going to add something still, right? Uh, the only the, the other thing that I've seen that's been a hindrance for people is if you've grown up uh, in, in a church that was very against uh, speaking in tongues or the gifts of the spirit, that can really hold you up because there's a lot of times um, that I've prayed for people and they've grown up saying, I will never do that. That is, this is so wrong. Like I would never speak in tongues because that's against the Bible. I would never. And sometimes that becomes so ingrained in you or you've actually made like a vow uh, inside like way early on just saying like that is absolutely not from God that is absolutely not for me that is so not biblical or you know whatever it is that you've said sometimes just our upbringing um, 
and beliefs from other denominations can hinder uh, the fullness of the spirit being released. I've seen several people who will just like repent uh, at the altar. Like, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I didn't know that this was a thing for now. And I repent for saying that I would never do this. I repent for saying this is wrong. And sometimes that will help uh, just kind of release that gift in you when you kind of deal with some of the block from, from belief system from earlier. Amen. Is that helpful? Okay, next question. Okay, this is yours. I spoke in tongues a long time ago, but I lost my prayer language. No, you didn't. <laughs> you, you can't lose your prayer language. You might not use it for a long time and kind of it's stored back away somewhere, but if the Lord has released something in you, uh, it, it's still there. So this came from, this question was at, at the conference that I was at. I spent a lot of time talking with women. And after the fourth person told me, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit a long time ago, but I lost my prayer language. And I, I'm like, well, where did you put it? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what you mean by you lost it. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual thing. It's still in your spirit. Sometimes you just have to activate it again. Uh, but if you have received your prayer language, it's still there. Holy Spirit is still in you, and all of the things that he's released in you is still in you. Uh, you may just need to reactivate it. That's good. Next one, I think, is another one on prayer language, something like that. I keep waiting for the Holy Spirit to give me my prayer language, but nothing happens. This is yours too, right? This is kind of from a conference where you're just waiting. You know, people sometimes think it's just for like a, a special moment. Like we've met a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, I do that every year at camp. Like, hey, guess what? You can do it when you get back from camp too. <laughs> you, can do, you can do it every day because it's um, the Holy Spirit isn't going to take over your mouth. I think that's a misconception. Like there is a testimony of a guy at camp who said he waited a whole year. He came from a Baptist background, so he grew up not believing in it, but then he married into... <laughs> A uh, very spirit-filled family, and so, but he was open and, and said, "Okay, God." And then he he got prayer, and then he's like, "I'm just waiting for God to to speak in tongues uh, through me." And so, but finally, he had to say, "No, I had to speak. Like you have to do it. You have control of your mouth, and you can you choose to speak in tongues when when God releases that gift. It's your choice." It's your ability. You have to move your mouth. You have to give breath and your vocal cords to it. It's, it's, it's a, I know it's a confusing experience for some who are used to talking on your own, uh, thinking about so many things. But again, it's, it's getting past just the thinking um, and trusting God that he is going to pray through you. You can probably add to that, I think. Yeah, what John said. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that there is something sometimes, whether it's said or not said, we we assume baptism of the Holy Spirit is 
um, kind of a magical experience. You know, it's kind of like we talked about Holy Spirit's a person. He's not the force. Uh, but then you talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, and people kind of wait for it to be a magic thing. Like, it's going to take over, and it's going to consume me, and then it's going to move on. And that's not that's not really the way. Some people it has happened like that for. You might have heard testimonies, but most of the time, we respond to the Holy Spirit. I can start speaking in tongues when I want to, and I can stop speaking in tongues when I want to. If I was going to wait for it to magically take over, um, I don't know when that would be. And so I think that's the thing is if, if you responded for baptism of the Holy Spirit, I absolutely believe that God has done something in you. Jesus has released the fullness of his spirit in you because you asked for it and he's a good God. If you're still waiting on the evidence of speaking in tongues, keep, keep pursuing God. Keep pursuing God. Put a little bit of voice to it. Don't be, don't, don't just like think like I'm just going to wait and one day I'm going to just start speaking in tongues. You might, but continue to pursue the Lord and be willing to say, yeah, this, I, I'm going to pursue this. Um, and, but it's not like a, a less than thing if you're still waiting for it, but it's also not a, a thing that you just stand by and do nothing about. Like, I'm just waiting for something to magically take over my body and have some supernatural magic experience. It is supernatural, but we get to partner with Holy Spirit in this. Next question. How can the Holy Spirit give confirmation? Are you doing this one or me? We've t- we did talk about these questions. We were in the car for eight hours over the last two days. Uh, so this question is, is kind of broad. So if, if, if this is your question and we don't answer it, you're just going to have to come to us uh, personally maybe and ask. But number one, there are so many ways that the Holy Spirit can give confirmation. And the most important one is God just speaking to your heart. Because it's, a, it's about a relationship with God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so we should already be in a relationship with God. He'll, he'll begin to speak to us. Um, and then in our body of believers, in our community, there should be other people that if we share what God has said, where they're like, yeah, that sounds like God. You know, it makes me think of like Acts, the book of Acts. In Acts 13, it says they were all together and they were praying. And God said, hey, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to. And then everybody in the community was like, yeah, this is God. This is God. And so to me, confirmation comes when you have a relationship with other believers that you know and trust that you can share your life with and say, here's what God is saying to me. And someone you love and trust and respect can speak into your life and can tell you both ways, can tell you, oh, yeah, that's God, or can tell you, man, I don't know about that. That sounds a little bit out there. And you have to be able to receive both. Um, you know, But the Holy Spirit can use all kinds of ways. Uh, but I think... The other thing is some people are looking for a sign everywhere. To me, that's, that's what you don't want to do is like God doesn't, God doesn't have to speak a code to you to where you have to try to like, oh, yeah, I saw this thing today or this happened or, oh, I'm just, I need confirmation. So when I come to church today, I, somebody better mention it, you know. Um, 
that's it. You know, God's not trying to trick us. He's not playing a game with us. He's in a relationship with us. You know, so if he wants you to know something, if you're seeking him and you want to know what he's saying, then he's going to he's going to make it clear. Same thing in Acts 16. <laughs> you see, reach for the mic. <laughs> we should have had two mics, right? God, didn't you get interrupt me? Um, <laughs> so in Acts 16, you know, there Paul and his group are traveling. It says they tried to go one place. And it's like they go, and then it says the Holy Spirit stopped them. So they're like, okay, maybe we're going to go over here. And it says they go over here. And it's like, no, we're not supposed to go there either. And it's like they never felt peace wherever they're going. It's like this is just not right. And so then Paul finally has a dream. And Paul has a dream of a guy in Macedonia saying, come help us. And so he wakes up and says, I think God might be calling me to Macedonia. So then what does he do? Does he leave for Macedonia? No, he gathers around his trusted friends Luke and Barnabas and those who were traveling with him and said, here's the dream I have. What do you think? And then it says, we concluded that the Holy Spirit was sending us to Macedonia. And so to me, there's a there's an element of the community where we're, we never were meant to be just a lone ranger Christian, uh, just to hear God on our own and figure it out. We have a family of believers where we can we can share and we can all we should all be at some point saying, Oh yeah, when there's something going on, we should all go, Yeah, 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 that sounds awesome. The other th- the other way the Holy Spirit brings confirmation is through the Word of God. That's right. Read read the Bible. Man, if you feel like God is is telling you something and you open up his word and it doesn't match anything in there, That's right. That's that might not be God. If you open it up and it's matching the heart of God, what you're reading about him, what you're seeing in his nature and in his word, then the Holy Spirit brings confirmation through that. The word of God is such an amazing tool for our lives for confirming all the things that uh, God is doing in us and kind of gives us some guardrails on how we even know if we're hearing from God in the first place. Um, so, So get to know your Bible. That will be a powerful tool for you and partnership with the Holy Spirit because the word of God is living and active. It's Holy Spirit is bringing that to life in us when we read it. And so he will bring confirmation through the word of God. So so don't put people, don't put signs, don't put things above the word of God in your life. The word of God will be a good anchor and some guardrails on hearing from God and getting confirmation from God. Good. What's the next one? Is there a right or wrong way to pray? I feel like I don't know how to pray or I'm not praying right. First of all, I would say this is a great question on prayer. I mean, because, you know, you grow up and you're like, okay, how do I pray? Um, It's. It's, I would say the first thing is it's not a performance. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is a, a communication. What did Jesus say? And I have it marked here. In Matthew 6, Jesus starts talking about prayer. And he says, don't pray like all the religious people. In other words, they're all standing up in front of people and making a making a show. That's what the Pharisees were doing at that time. Like, I'm praying. There's like a big announcement, you know, like we should care that you're you're praying. Okay, awesome. Um but Jesus said this. He totally flipped it around. He says, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door and pray to your father. 
And right there, Jesus changed everything about prayer because it was no longer about doing the right thing to please some supreme being because that's what every other religion is. You perform the right ritual, you say the right magic words, and then the deity answers you. Um, it's up to you. Jesus turns it around and says, look, you're talking to your father. So get, get with your father and tell him what's on your heart. So I would, you know, I'd say there, the right way to pray, if there is a right way, of course, is to pray to God as your father. To do it in a place of intimacy. So, and pray your heart. There's no, it's, there's no right words. It's not like magic, you know, you might hear somebody praying out loud and they like, ah, they sound like they really know how to pray. Um, but in the Bible, I mean, there's, there's times where people just express their heart to God and they're, you know, Hannah, it says her, her lips were moving, but there was nothing coming out and her prayer was answered. She didn't pray the right words, but her heart was connected to God. And so, um, Pray your heart. Number two is listen, because prayer is not just you talking. Listen. That it's, a, it's supposed to be a conversation. It's supposed to be a relationship. Again, it's getting us out of doing like a religious duty and performing the right way to talking with your father. You know, when my kids come to me, I don't have to. They, I'm like, well, maybe there's sometimes I have to. They have to ask the right way, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not God, so. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's like it's a relationship is, is the point that Jesus makes. Even when Jesus teaches them to pray, what does he say? Here's how you pray. Our Father. So pray the Word, too. Look at all. There's all kinds of prayers in the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 1, Colossians 1, uh, Matthew 6, um, Daniel 9, the prayer of Nehemiah, I can't remember which chapter it is, there, where people pray. Uh, you know, find, you know, read, read the scriptures and pray some of the scripture too. I did, but you already said it. What, what were you going to say? Was it really good? No. I was just going to say the disciples asked Jesus the same question. How do we pray? And his response was, the Lord's Prayer, which if you're familiar with it, sometimes it can just seem like something that we've memorized. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? That's like how we've memorized it, the translation we've memorized it in. But if you want to know how to pray, he's saying, hey, address God as your Father. Lay down your will and ask for his will to be done in my family's life, in my city, in my nation, in my marriage. Thank God for what he's doing, for provision, for providing for your family. Forgive. Spend some time forgiving people that you need to forgive as you're praying. Uh, there's a model right there when, when Jesus' disciples asked him the same thing. How do I pray? How do I know how to pray right? Jesus has already given it us that model, and you can take what what's there. You can totally just say the Lord's Prayer, but you can also look at the concepts there and go, oh, it's about lifting his name up, making him holy and praising him. It's about laying down my desires and my will and praying for God's will to be done in my life. It's about, it's about me thanking him. 
as my provider. It's about me forgiving people and experiencing his forgiveness for me. And, and so you can apply those things when you pray. And also when you don't know how to pray, if you have your prayer language, that's also another tool. Good. What's the next question? I think this is, is this the last question? Oh, we saved this one for last. <laughs> Who put these in the computer? It was me. <laughs> Why was it necessary for Jesus to leave before the Spirit would come? Why not both at once? First of all, props for this question. I love it. <laughs> Why not both at once? Uh, there's a second part of this question. If this was your question, I will answer it privately. It's a kind of a long convoluted things that, that could get confusing. So I don't want to address it all publicly. So if that's yours, come see me. But this first part is a is really good question. Um, number one is this. Um, Jesus had a specific mission on earth to, to carry out. And part of that mission that we sometimes leave out, we, we know that Jesus had to die. We know that Jesus had to rise again. But Jesus also had to ascend to heaven. Like that the ascension is part of the work of Jesus, the victory of Jesus, where he ascends and sits on his throne over all the earth and begins to rule and reign and release his kingdom power. There is, you know, when Jesus rises from the dead in John chapter 20, um, Mary comes to him and she tries to hug him and do hold him and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, hold on. I, I'm, I've still got work to do. You can't hold on to me because I have to ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And so and in Ephesians 4, it says when he ascended that, that gifts were released as well. So when Jesus ascended, there were gifts released. So the, the reason that Holy Spirit and Jesus were not, you know, that we can't have Jesus still, still in the flesh is that he is carrying out the work that was given to him to rule and reign on earth, and he sent the Holy Spirit uh, to each and every one of us. And who is the Holy Spirit called? The Spirit of Jesus Christ. So really, Jesus, in many ways, is still on earth through his body, through the body of Christ. And so that's why it's so important for us to represent Jesus because this is, this is the Jesus that somebody sees. This is what it looks like to have a human being, to have the actual personal presence of God living in them and how they live. So I think that, that answers that question. So that was all the ones that were submitted. So um, if you have another question... Um, please come see us. Please come talk to any of us at any time. Um, I know sometimes it's great to have an anonymous question. We'll leave those cards out there. If you if you think of something and want to, you know, it's better to be anonymous and ask the question. I totally get that too. Uh, or you're just not a good question asker. Like I'm a horrible question asker. Like I'm like, I usually like that person that like thinks like three days later, oh, I should have asked this. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, that would have been great if I would have thought of that. Um, so if that's you, you know, just write it down sometime and slip it to put it in one of these boxes here. And we'll maybe we'll just every once in a while Sunday we'll answer a question. Maybe it's not, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we always want to do 
Pastor John and Ashley answered question time, but next time we'll have David and Felicia up here, right? Who wants to see that? <laughs> so we'll save the, the really hard questions for them. Uh, then, we'll get, then we'll get Jerry up here too. We'll be Ask, ask Jerry Sunday or something. No, we'll ask the super hard questions. Uh, so, um, but the key thing is this. In all this, you know, really the idea is we want to get past seek God. Seek the Lord. Man, we were at, uh, as we were saying, my wife shared the testimony of the funeral uh, yesterday, and it was there were some beautiful things, but uh, I wasn't going to share this this week, but do you want to share it about the neighbors? Everything. I'll share it next week. Do you want me to share it right now? Okay, we'll close with this. You guys ready to close? You know, there's so much power released when we follow the Holy Spirit. That there is there is so much more than sometimes we will ever know by following one one little nudge from the Holy Spirit. You know, we told I told you at the beginning of service we were sitting at this uh, table with um, or maybe in the announcements I guess at this table with these neighbors of this family who had just uh, lost somebody. And the story (laughs) is incredible. Because they were across the street neighbors of this family. And the family that we were there for yesterday were not believers at the time. This was 12 years ago. And the the across-the-street neighbors were hosting a home group in their home. And they started just talking about, like, we should get to know our neighbors. We should reach out. We should know who our neighbors are. We should, you know, we should touch our neighbors with, with God's love. And the woman began to get really stirred. And she said she felt like God was telling her, you have to contact this neighbor across the street. Like, this is your neighbor. This is the one that I'm telling you. You have to do this. And she said she even felt like it was supposed to be, like, soon. Like, you have to do this, and you have to do this now. So she began looking for opportunities. And the woman across the street uh, randomly saw her one day and said, Hey, I'm going to do a garage sale. Do you have anything that you want to bring over? And she said in her heart she knew it's the Holy Spirit. You have to do this. So she said... I'll bring my stuff and I'll work it with you. And she's like nine months pregnant, but she knew that the Lord told her to do it. So she works the garage sale, nine months pregnant and, and like makes contact with this family. And she says, Hey, would you guys just want to come to our house? We have this life group thing and, and we really want you to come. And this family showed up in their living room and were radically saved completely transformed because of the nudge of the Holy Spirit. These guys were only there for nine months. But they were set on a course to follow Jesus, and they are passionate Jesus followers. And they have led some of their family members to Jesus. And this is the woman whose funeral I sat at yesterday. 
was the one who was invited over and gave her heart to Jesus because her neighbor followed the Holy Spirit's nudging at the time that he told her to. And there's this whole beautiful redemption story in this family because of one person who followed the Holy Spirit, their neighbor. Their neighbor. And these are cool people, but the people that they led to Jesus are influencers. And they became dynamic, and the family still is. Unfortunately, the mother is not any longer, but all of her days for 41 years, well, for 12 years, for the last 12 years since she gave her heart to Jesus in somebody's living room, she has been influencing people, battling cancer till the very end, saying, my God is good, and he will get the glory from this. Praying, saying, I I want my family to come to Jesus through my suffering. Saying, This entire battle, even if I have to lose my life to cancer, will be totally worth it if God gets glory and people come to him. And that's a testimony in and of itself. But think about, man, the neighbors who were obedient, who set this family up for this moment, for suffering well in the presence of Jesus and leading other people to him. That's the power that, that the Holy Spirit has in us. It's the small things. It's not, it's not only about we saw somebody's foot grow out and all this amazing thing. Signs and wonders are supposed to bring people to his kingdom, but it's also about us just loving our neighbors, our literal neighbors. It's about seeing the person at Dollar Tree and knowing she's the treasure and being willing to say that. We, we will never know the fruit of the woman at Dollar Tree on Wednesday night who got healed. But like, it's your fruit that you'll know in heaven someday. Because we might just be the neighbor person. (laughs) But following the Holy Spirit, listening to his voice, can lead to transformation beyond ourselves, beyond just our family. And that's amazing. So let's close in prayer. Holy Spirit, you're so good. And Jesus, we thank you for sending Holy Spirit to to live in us, to guide us, to direct us, to, to release your power and authority in us. Father, I pray that maybe some people that came in with questions, that those have been addressed today, and we can rest in your goodness. We can rest in like this whole spirit-filled life is not about striving, and it's not about right or wrong, and it's not about performance. Lord, thank you for a new revelation of your heart for your people. And Jesus, help us just be, be the ones who will love, who won't get so caught up in all of the, the doctrinal differences or what, what's right with people and what's wrong with people. Let's just get people to you, Jesus. We want to be a church that follows those little nudges, that leads to transformation of families even if that just means we're the neighbor who's just loving somebody and following a nudge. We invite you to sensitize our spirits and our hearts to what you're saying and doing around us. 
Thank you for your word coming alive in us, that we would be people that are completely grounded in your word and completely surrendered and following your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.